Hi there and welcome to Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the message. You see, there's a phrase that we use whenever something is difficult to explain. You know when something is really, it's actually difficult to believe. Then we use the phrase, well, see for yourself. See for yourself. If, if, if I'm trying to convince you of something and I realize that you guys don't believe me, you guys don't believe there's another hall just next door, I'm going to have to go and show you and then you will see for yourself. It's when something is difficult to believe, we use the phrase see for yourself. This past holiday, uh, we were all away on holiday and Donovan, he's the manager at Fichat Park Campus and he was in Bloemfontein, poor guy, and uh, we were all away December holiday and he, he told us not very far from Christmas, he told us that someone broke into the church and they stole all the TVs. And I said, rubbish, people don't break into a church. I mean, surely people are still afraid of God, right? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Even around Christmas, that someone would break into the church and steal. It's actually happened quite a, a few times there at Pichapar. So then Donovan, realizing it's difficult to get us believing him, I thought, you know, he was just lonely over December holiday. He just wanted to, you know, joke, just get a bit of a conversation going on WhatsApp because he has, hasn't heard from us in a while. And so he's just lonely. And then he sends this photo, and I've got a photo that he sent us on the WhatsApp group of where they broke in, and he sent another photo of the empty wall where the TVs used to be. <laughs> and then when we saw for ourselves, we believed. Sometimes when something is difficult, to believe, we say the phrase, see for yourself. Just, just come and see. Another time when we use the phrase is when something is, is not so much difficult to believe, but it's something that needs to be experienced. Uh, it's something that, you know, it doesn't help I explain it to you, um, is that you understand it. You have to experience it. Let me give you an example. So a few years ago, uh, myself and Karin and uh, my old uh, roommate from Varsity, Darren, and his wife, Rochelle, we went on this mission trip to Zimbabwe. And then after the trip, everyone went home and said, we, we said, we're going to go on a bit of a holiday. So we went up to the Vic Falls and then traveled uh, through you know, Southern Africa after that for a while. But when we were at the Vic Falls, so we were there for about two days, Whitewater rafting, amazing. But what really stood out for me was the Vic Falls itself. Now, I know a lot about the Vic Falls. Before going, I read up about it. Now, I can tell you a lot of facts about the Vic Falls. I can tell you that it's 1.7 kilometers wide. It's more than 100 meters deep. That, that combined, it's actually the largest waterfall in the world. And it's this, uh, I think the, the word, um, like the, the local word they use for the Vic Falls is something that sort of means the cloud that thunders. Because it's this massive noise that it makes, the water coming down from the Zambezi River, and then there's this spray, this cloud of spray as the water's hitting the, 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 the river at the bottom. There's this massive spray that you can see from very far away in the air. And so it's beautiful. And so I can tell you all those facts, but you haven't experienced the Vic Falls. And so I remember the day when we were there, we walked on our way there, paid our little fee, and then there was someone selling raincoats and renting them out. You can buy one for $10 or rent one for $1. And uh, then we saw the American tourists walking 
all of them with their raincoats. And then we saw the Chinese tourists with their cameras and their raincoats. And sorry for the stereotypes. And then we were there standing, you know, these four people from not only South Africa, but from the Free State. And uh, I looked at the guy, he asked me, do you, do you want a raincoat? And I just laughed at him. I looked at the Americans. So I'm like, <laughs> Americans. <laughs> we're from South Africa. We're good. But we're not afraid of a bit of water, right? In fact, I'm from the Free State. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind a bit of water at all. And so we thought, I mean, you're going to get a bit wet from the spray. But I mean, that's cool. That's part of the experience. And so then we went, and uh, there where that photo is taken, more, this is not my photo, but from the same angle, more or less. When we were standing there, we started feeling the spray. And we thought, Americans. <laughs> I mean, you really don't need a raincoat for this. I mean, it's just, it's refreshing. And then we came to the face of the Vic Falls. And I want to say, I can't explain it to you. You have to see it for yourself. It's an experience. You know how rain comes from the top? Sometimes when the wind is blowing, it comes from the side. Well, the Vic Falls, it just comes from everywhere. It's this, this, this waves of, of, uh, of water coming literally from the bottom. Like every now and then it comes like a shush from the bottom. Like I was wet into my underpants. Like everything was wet. Not because I was so excited because of the big falls. It was just the water is just so much. It hits you from every side. It's amazing. But I can tell you about it. Even about that experience. Hopefully it excites you. It intrigues you. But you have to see it for yourself. That's the difference. Why am I telling you this? The invitation that Jesus gives us is no different. It's no different. Is he in church? I think sometimes in church you might have been told, or maybe by religious people, that you shouldn't think about it, you must just believe. It's sort of like saying you have to believe because someone else said you should, or because some other book said you should believe. Friends, that's not the invitation of Jesus. Jesus' invitation is, come and see for yourself. Come and experience it. Jesus is not afraid of what you're going to find. You see, in the world, there's, there's sort of, we think there's two kinds of invitations, and neither of them is actually from Jesus. The way that the world invites us is sometimes by saying, well, well you can come, but you can still believe whatever you want. Because in this world, truth is relative. There's no such thing as truth and, and lie. It's just truth is, you know, just believe whatever you want. That's not Jesus' invitation. Jesus does demand from us that we make a choice. Yes, to either believe that he is the son of God or not. You can't be lazy and just be in between. You have to make a choice. Was he who he said he was or was he not? And so he calls us to say, listen, that's a deal on the table. Either you're going to follow me or not at all. So on the one side, that is the invitation of Jesus. But then on the other side, the invitation of Jesus is not just close your eyes and believe. Don't think about it. His invitation is, no, it's fine if you're skeptical. Just come closer and experience for yourself. But in the end, you need to have a revelation that is yours. Not secondhand revelation. You need to experience it for yourself. That's the invitation Jesus makes. He says, come and see. Now, I want to quickly read to us in, in John chapter 1, but, but before we do that, just to say this, if we read the Bible, and so maybe, maybe you're a person that haven't been to church 
very often in your life. Uh, let me maybe just quickly explain to you that sometimes the way that the church has portrayed the Bible is as if it's this rule book and if the Bible says so, we have to believe it. But in fact, if you read the Gospels, so those first four books in the New Testament, John, Mark, and Luke, and uh, Matthew, those are eyewitness accounts. It's not a rule book. It's actually just someone giving their testimony. It's someone telling you about the Vic Falls that they experienced. But what they really want for you is not that you would believe me, but that you would go to the Vic Falls. <laughs> That's exactly what the, what the Gospels are. It's eyewitness accounts. Uh, historians and uh, people that are smart when it comes to literature, they say that the, the Gospels are not written like a, a, an epic, right? You know, this ancient epic that you write the story about this hero, because those stories usually don't have as many details. The way that the Gospels are written is typically like an eyewitness account when someone would be in the court of law. Or just trying to say, listen, this is what I saw, and this is what that person saw, and this is what they said, and this is what they said. It's this eyewitness account. And so there's actually no doubt, no doubt, there's no serious historian that will ever question whether these disciples, these followers of Jesus, wrote these things. And there's no serious question on whether they believed the things that they wrote. The question is, however, whether you believe what they believed. And that's fine. So you don't have to believe what they believed, but you can't say that they didn't believe it. Because it's just like, if you read the literature, the amount of manuscripts that there are out there that actually just you know, back up that these guys actually wrote this. And also if you read this, the way that they gave their lives to this cause and they died for this cause shows us they fully believed the stuff they said. <laughs> so when they said that Jesus is the Son of God, they believed it. There's no question on that. The only question, the only place for you know, discussion is whether you also believe what they believe. But they really believe the Vic Falls is the most amazing thing. The <laughs> question is just have you experienced it or not. And so if you are a skeptic, I want to tell you this morning, you're not the first one. <laughs> you're not the only one, and you won't be the last one. I want to tell you about some of the disciples that were also skeptical. You see, the picture we have is like the Sunday school picture is that Jesus just walked and he, he just looked at the disciples and they just left everything and they were disciples. No questions asked, nothing. Some of them were like that because some of you are like that. Some of us are like that. We, you know, it doesn't take a lot for us to be convinced. We, faith, like we've got it. Like, you know, God made us that way. But for some of us, you're not made that way. And many of the disciples were also not like that. But the invitation is also for you. Jesus is not afraid of what you're going to find when you start investigating. Here's the thing. The invitation of Jesus, come and see, it means to come and think, come and investigate. I'll say something about that in a moment. John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And just to say, so I'm going to read a long passage of Scripture. I love that. And we're not going to cover everything. I'll make comments on everything. But in our community groups, we're going to read this passage again. And then you're going to discover it in a deeper way for yourselves. So that you see it for yourself. <laughs> The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Can I just quickly say this? John the Baptist, speaking about John the Baptist, he was the cousin of Jesus. And up until this moment, he did not yet believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 
But it's only here that it was revealed to him. It's as if only here he went to the Vic Falls. Like the Holy Spirit revealed it to him because it told him, if you read uh, just before verse 35, we don't have time for that, you will see how God spoke to him saying, when you see A, B, and C, when you see my spirit resting on him, you will know it's the Son of God. And in this moment, John the Baptist saw the Spirit of God resting on Jesus. And he tells the disciples, he says, listen, I saw. He tells the Pharisees and everyone, Jesus, he is the Lamb of God. He saw it for himself. And then he was witnessing about it. He says, and when, uh, he said, behold the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And this was Andrew and another disciple. But let me just quickly say this. When we see that they followed Jesus, it doesn't mean they became followers of Jesus. It just means they literally followed Jesus, like in the creepy kind of way of following someone. That's what it means. The way we know that, verse 38. Because then, as they're following him, Jesus turned around. Turning around, Jesus saw them following him and asked, what do you want? Which is normal if someone's following you, right? So this shows us, this is an eyewitness account. This is what happened. This was real people following this dude, and then Jesus turns around and says, what do you want? He just wants to figure out, like, are you trying to rob me, or what's the story here? They said, Rabbi, which is actually kind of like an answer. What do you want? We want a teacher. All of us. All of us, we want a teacher that we can trust. That's why humans, if, if you follow any leader in this life, you will be disappointed. All of us, we've got a desire to follow a teacher that is actually good for us. We have that desire. They had the same desire. Rabbi, which means teacher. And then, then they said, where are you staying? Look at the details that it gives us, right? And then Jesus says, come, he replied, and you will see. Just come with me. I'll show you where I'm staying. So they went and saw where he was saying, staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. It's not the type of thing you write in the epic. You get what I'm saying? Just this is an eyewitness account. John telling his story through this gospel, speaking about John the Baptist. And now he's going to say what, what Andrew and Peter and Nathaniel and Philip saw. But the big question is, have you seen it? That's the invitation. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did after, you know, seeing for himself was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. And then Peter came close. He didn't believe it, but he came closer to Jesus. And when he brought him to Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. So Jesus saying, I know who you are. And that's also the invitation of Jesus. It's personal. God knows you. <laughs> he knows who you are. Now I lost my place. Maybe you know where I am. And he <laughs> Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means, when translated, is Peter. The next day Jesus decide, decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. And so there are some disciples that Jesus spoke to directly and saying, follow me. But most of the disciples were brought by someone else. Just like most of us come to church because someone invited you. It's been part of the gospel story ever since. That's the way God writes the story. It's through us. He's inviting and enlarging the family. 
he found Philip. He said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel. So Philip was more the believing guy. Nathaniel was the skeptic. Okay, and Nathaniel was a proper Jew. Like he really, you know, he was a Jew, like a proper one. So if the Jews didn't like the Samaritans, Nathaniel didn't like the Samaritans. If the Jews thought that Nazareth is like not an important place, he didn't think it's an important place. Whatever the Jews believed and knew, Nathaniel knew and believed. He was a proper Jew. And Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses. So you know, Nathaniel, I know you love Moses, but the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then Nathaniel responded by saying, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asks. And then Philip, instead of arguing with him, what does Philip do? He says, I, I know it's hard to believe. Because I know we thought that maybe the Messiah is going to come from Rome or Jerusalem. Just come and see for yourself. That's the invitation. Nathaniel, don't, believe, don't take my word for it. Just come and see. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And then Nathaniel said, because he was shocked, how does Jesus know who I am? How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I say, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So obviously, you know, you might ask the question, what happened under the fig tree? <laughs> we don't know exactly what happened under the fig tree, but we know it has to be something that only Nathaniel and God knew. Because as soon as Jesus said it, he said, you truly are the Son of God. Because how do you know that? So it wasn't like he just passed by him the previous day. And, oh, I saw you under the fig tree, nodded at you, you didn't see me. It's not that. There was something that happened under the fig tree that only Nathaniel and God knows. And Jesus references it. And he knows the same thing about you. There are things that only you and God knows that Jesus knows. And he sees you. And he invites you to come and see. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater than the, uh, things than that. He added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, which I'll explain in a moment. You see, Jesus' invitation is to come and see. Come and see, as I've said, means to come and think. It doesn't mean to just believe what you want. It says you have to make a decision, but at the same time, it doesn't mean you have to believe blindly or believe because someone else believed or because a book tells you. It's an invitation to come and discover for yourself. Maybe if you're at that place this morning where you're still unsure about your faith, that's fine. I want to invite you. Just come closer. Come and discover it with us so that it's your own conviction. Jesus is not threatened by that. He's not scared of what you're going to find or the difficult questions you ask. He's good. So come and see. Maybe it's not so much about your faith that you're wondering. Maybe it's parts of your faith. So maybe it's on the question of baptism or the question of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It might be on the question of church, whether you've decided you believe in this idea of church or not. If that's you, I want to say even to that, just come and see. Come stand one step closer and come and figure it out for yourself. 
The invitation is an open invitation. Secondly, come and see. We have to remember, again, like I said, the disciples didn't all just believe blindly. Other Christians sitting around you, if you're the skeptic this morning, don't worry, you're not the only one. God loves the skeptics because their faith, once they receive the revelation, is not a cheap faith. It's an expensive faith. <laughs> it's a faith that is deeper. Come and see. It's also how we move from knowing about someone to knowing someone. You see, it's like one thing knowing about Nelson Mandela. <laughs> to believe there was a guy like that. You know a lot of facts about him. But it's a different thing to know your wife. Or to know your children. Or to know a best friend. That's personal relationship. The come and see invitation of Jesus is not just to know a few facts about God. We're not teaching about God at church. We are engaging with God as a community. All of us, we are in a relationship with Jesus. It's personal. Come and see is a personal invitation. Now, let me just quickly say this. Will it be comfortable to stand one step closer to Jesus? Not necessarily. You know, before you got married, uh, you showed the other person all the parts of you that you think are good and what they want to see. Try to impress them. But when you get married, it's an invitation for them to really come and see who you are. And is it easy? No. Personal relationship involves a bit of conflict, right? But it's in that conflict where it's real. That's how you know a relationship is personal. If there are certain things that the other person tells you that they don't like. <laughs> and so same thing with Jesus. As if you serve a Jesus that never ever challenges you on how you live or what you believe, then surely that's not a real relationship. That's just a Jesus you made up. If the Jesus agrees with everything you do and say, then who's the God in that relationship? <laughs> Personal relationship, the come and see invitation, is to come and stand closer, but allow Jesus to show you who he is on his terms. That's also what the, the, the invitation is. The come and see invitation of Jesus is also not an individual invitation, but it's a community invitation. God invites you, I said in the previous sermon, uh, maybe if you think about sport, I don't know if you love sport, um, but you get different kinds of sports, right? And some of the sports, like rugby, is a contact sport. So a person that likes rugby or likes to play rugby cannot say, I want to play rugby, but I don't want the contact. That's not going to work. Then maybe rugby is not for you. Right. Because rugby is a contact sport. That's the deal on the table. If you play rugby, it's contact. Now, in the same way, discipleship is a contact sport. Because you have to do it in contact with other people. <laughs> You cannot follow Jesus just by yourself. That was never the deal on the table. If you read the Bible, it's never been the way that discipleship has happened. And so that's the deal on the table. To come and see is to come and see in community, just like the disciples didn't just come on their own. It's a personal relationship, yet it is figured out in community. I tried to do discipleship on my own when I was in high school. It didn't work. It was frustrating. I felt guilty the whole time because I couldn't get the things that Jesus was asking. I couldn't put that into practice. 
But then at Varsity, there was something that happened where it wasn't only family, but, but friends, my roommates, and another, another two or three of our best friends, we followed Jesus together. The desire was always there to come and see, but then as we did it together, we started putting it into practice. If you are frustrated with your discipleship, if you're frustrated just with your journey with God, I want to suggest it might be one of two reasons. Firstly, it might be because you haven't fully surrendered. You haven't just to, you know, fully stepped closer and surrendered and said, okay, Jesus, you, you can call the shots. I'm going to follow. You lead, I follow. It's either that's the reason why you're frustrated in your discipleship or it's because you're doing it alone. You're trying to do it alone. The invitation of Jesus to the gospel is an invitation to church. It's, it's a contact sport. <laughs> they go together. And with the people around you who are not perfect, you're going to see something of who Jesus is. Actually, because they're not perfect, because then you get to experience what it feels like to actually show love and grace and also experience love and grace from people around you, which speaks about who God is. Now, come and see, maybe another point and then I'll start closing, is also an invitation to an experience. Just like I said with the Vic Falls, it's like when something has to be experienced, Jesus gives that invitation. It's something that you can't only understand and once I understand it, then I will fully engage with it. It's something you have to engage it and as you engage with it, you start understanding. It's faith seeking understanding. Let me give you an example. Imagine this is a fire. Now, this is a fire, it's a very cold day and you are standing over here and you are cold. And I'm standing over here with a fire and I'm telling you, I used to be cold but now it's warm. Uh, you should come stand closer. And then you ask me, no, no, but first explain to me how a fire works. And then I explain to you the physics, the science behind a fire. Does that make you warm? No, not yet. So you can understand it here. It's only once you step closer to the fire that you experience it. Now the problem for so many people is we think that the gospel works this way. You think that you're standing over here and I'm cold and uh, I want to be close to God. I want to be close to the fire. But what I'll first do is I want to first get rid of my coldness so that I can become warmer. Because if I'm warm, I will qualify to be close to a fire. And that's the same as saying, I wanna, I'm dirty, but I first want to go take a shower before I can go take a bath. You want to clean yourself before you go clean yourself. The whole point of the gospel is you come as you are. You come as you are. And you come and see. You don't heat yourself before you go to the fire. You don't even have to understand what a fire works like to experience it. You just need to come as you are and stand close to it and experience it for yourself. I am not afraid to tell you that you should follow Jesus, but don't take my word for it. You can discover it by yourself. You see, as soon as I say that, you might have this fear coming up, but what if someone then comes closer and then Jesus doesn't reveal himself to that person? Will they then not believe forever? Friends, that's not my responsibility. <laughs> I really believe in Jesus in that way, that if you come closer, he's going to convince you. He's not threatened, and therefore I'm not threatened about whether you're going to believe or not. <laughs> 
the invitation is to come and see it for yourself. Albert, uh, you guys can join me. Maybe just to quickly read to you that last passage, uh, which I think is fascinating, is uh, just quickly think about Nathaniel. Now, I remember I told you Nathaniel was a Jew, but like he understood the Old Testament and the law, and uh, you know he, he listened in Sunday school. Uh, that's the type of crowd that Jesus was busy speaking to right here. And uh, I don't know if you remember in Sunday school many years ago, um, there was a story that we were taught. It's actually in the Bible in Genesis chapter 28, and it's a story of Jacob's dream. I don't know if you know the story of Jacob's dream. Genesis 28, Jacob runs away and there's one place he actually falls asleep and he has a dream. Now every Jew, they knew the story of Jacob's dream. It's a profounding, it's a, it's a very, very interesting story. And as Christians, we also know that story. But remember to them, they really knew the story. And so Jacob's dream, he lies and he sees this vision of heaven opening up. It's beautiful. There's, there are lots of art pieces about this. And there's this massive ladder that Jacob sees, a ladder that goes all the way from the earth to the heavens, but the heavens are open, and God is on the other side. He, God is standing on the other side of heaven, but the heaven is open. And you've got these angels that are descending and ascending. And then Jacob wakes up, and he builds an altar, and he calls it Bethel, Bethel. Bethel is not a, just a church's name in America. It's also, that comes from Genesis chapter 28. And so Jacob says, this is Bethel. It's the gate to heaven. It's the gate to heaven. It's the house of God and it's the gate to heaven. It's the sacred place. So he saw something of what God had in store. You see, all of us, all of us, we have got a desire to connect with our Creator. People even call it many different names and things. But we all have got that desire to connect with our Creator. We ask questions like, why are we here? Who am I? It's, it's your desire for your origin story. You want to connect with your Creator. We all have got a desire to live with the favor of heaven over our lives, with an open heaven. And we try a whole bunch of things. We try and build our own ladders to get to heaven. And then Jesus says in this very interesting passage, and he says, guys, you started following me, Nathaniel, because I know stuff about you that no one else knows. That's great. I know you personally like that. But there's so much in store for you guys. And so Jesus is making this promise, like you haven't seen nothing yet. And then he says, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Which is interesting. He doesn't say to the Son of Man. So Jesus is not saying, I'm, like he's not only saying that he is God that's on the other side of the ladder. Jesus is saying to them, on the Son of Man, I am the ladder. Jesus is saying, the gates of heaven are open. I'm here. Jesus announces that the time of waiting for the promise of an open heaven over your life is over. When Jesus comes, he announces himself as the ladder, the gate. He, Jesus is the gate to heaven. And so the invitation of Jesus, my friend, is if you want to see God, have an open heaven over your life. If you want to see God, 
then just come and see. Come and see. And you don't have to take my word for it. You can see it for yourself. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to take communion. But as we take communion, if you are a follower of Jesus, uh, then as you take communion, there's maybe a part in your faith where you're still wondering sometimes, or you just have a sense of of a desire of more of God. If that's in your heart this morning, as you take communion, just thank God for the open heaven of your life. Communion is a celebration of what Jesus has done and that His body and His blood was enough to open heaven over my life. So so communion is literally like, if you don't understand what communion is, communion is a confession moment. You are just confessing that heaven is open over my life because I found Jesus. And so just take that confession. And if you've got a prayer of God, I want more of you. I want to I come even closer, surrender even more. Then you pray that prayer. And as I said, it's a contact sport, right? So you're not going to do it by yourself. We're going to do it together. And so that's for you if you are a follower of Jesus. If you are not yet, it's okay. <laughs> you are so welcome. My prayer, my number one prayer is that you would feel welcome enough to keep on coming back and not feel judged at all. My invitation to you is also just to come one step closer. The way that you come one step closer is the way that you did it today. The fact that you are here today, amazing. Just keep on discovering. And when you come to the point of believing, don't believe because someone else says so or because some book says so. Do it because you are convinced by Jesus himself. That's the invitation. I am convinced that he can convince you. (laughs) I'm convinced of that. Lord Jesus, we thank you for open heaven. Thank you that you are the ladder, that you are the promise, that you are what all people in the world have been seeking for. Even other religions, they have been looking for you, Jesus. All religions are just a desire to connect with God. And Jesus, you have come and said it's not difficult because you do it for us. On the cross and in your resurrection, you have come and did it for us. You are the ladder to heaven. You are the gate to heaven. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit our website or follow us on social media at Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. See you next time.